Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Um, first question comes from Jerry from New York, and he asks, I've been looking at my account. Why do we have 10-year U.S. Treasury bonds with yields as low as 2.25%? So it's important to recognize that the rate of return on a bond, any particular bond, is not just the coupon and or interest rate that it pays. So looking back, right now we own a lot of U.S. Treasury bonds in various portfolios. Every Treasury bond, aside from zero coupon bonds, is issued at $0.10 on a dollar. When it comes out, it might pay 2% depending on the prevailing rate of interest that's out there in the market. 94% of the U.S. Treasury curve is trading at a discount right now because the majority of Treasuries were issued in a lower interest rate environment. And obviously, over the past year and a half, we've seen a pretty precipitous uptick in the 10-year Treasury rate. Bonds obviously have an inverse relationship to treasuries. So as interest rates rise, the particular price of a bond goes down because if you have a bond that's paying 2%, but the treasury is issuing new bonds paying 4.2, 4.3%, the value of your 2% bond is less than 100 cents on the dollar. Now, while these bonds are issued at 100 cents on the dollar, they also mature at 100 cents on a dollar. So let's go through a exact example of a particular treasury bond so that we can walk through the illustration in terms of what its yield to maturity actually is. So this particular bond pays 2.25%. It matures in exactly one year. It is a one-year hold, so the math is actually pretty easy. So twice a year, the U.S. Treasury will pay you, and you're, it's half of 2.25%, so it's 1.12%. They'll pay you twice a year. That is your interest payment. But your full rate of return on that bond also includes capital appreciation because currently you're buying it at about 97.33, cents on the dollar. So in this next year, this particular bond will go from 97.33 up to 100 cents on the dollar when it ultimately matures one year from now. So your rate of return is represented by the coupon rate, which you will which you will receive in two payments in two increments, plus that ninety seven up to one hundred percent. So the full yield to maturity on this is about five point one seven percent. That's what you'll make if you sit there and you own this for a full year. Now the price can fluctuate up and down a little bit throughout the course of that year, but that is your full rate of return on that bond. Is it better to like sell the bond and take a capital gain on it, you know, as the price goes back up? It, it, it can. It can. So it all depends on what the dynamics are in terms of where interest rates move and what other investments are out there that may be attractive. So if you're buying it, this is a one-year bond that we're illustrating. It, oh, one, uh, this was a 10-year Yeah, I'm, I'm just illustrating this just for ease and simplicity. Same idea. Yeah. So if you buy a 10-year bond, the price is going to fluctuate a little bit more. I was actually looking at this over the weekend. Some of the 10-year bonds that we bought when interest rates, when the 10-year was closer to 5%, they've actually gone up about 3% in value since we originally bought them because the, the yield on the 10-year treasury has gone down to 4.2%, 4.3%. So as the yield has gone down, price goes up. Now, by the way, largest bond rally we've just had over the past week yeah. since the 1980s. Yeah. So 
if you find other attractive components there in the bond market, maybe you roll out on your risk a little bit. Maybe you go to mortgage-backed securities. Maybe you go to corporate bonds, municipal bonds, something. It really all depends on what the prevailing market looks like. So if you make capital appreciation and you bought at a higher price, mind you, corporates, municipals, they all trade at a little bit of a higher spread relative to treasuries. So you might be able to roll up, get a higher interest rate, and lock in that higher rate of return. Or you can take that rate of return on the 10-year if you think yields are going to go back up. And you can shorten your duration, maybe sell it and buy a shorter bond. So yeah, you can. It really all depends on what your intentions are and how you're trying to manage that interest rate risk with duration. But if you want to get the five percent or whatever the um, yield is, you want to you want to hold on to them. Yeah, even if interest rates spike, and this happened a lot last year, when you're buying paper in the four percent range and interest rates continue to rise into the five percent range, those bonds that you own are going to show a little bit of a loss on paper before uh, you actually get closer to maturity. As every bond gets closer to maturity, the price migrates to a hundred cents on the dollar almost irregardless of where interest rates are. And, you know, just to give the firm's purview on this, right, I've always been a buyer, a natural bond buyer, meaning I buy bond for yield and for return of principal. I don't buy it, you know, hoping rates go down and, and make capital appreciation on the bond. I buy it for the natural, you know, cause of a bond, which is to collect the income off of it and get my money, my client's money back at maturity. Very simple. So you're looking for that. You want that income for the 10 years. Yep. Or however long the duration is. Okay. Well, that was great. And um, the second question is last week, Charlie Munger, the vice president or the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett's right-hand man died at the age of 99. So guys, what lessons have you learned from Munger and Buffett and how do they affect your investment decisions? You know, I got to tell you, uh, over time, uh, I, I bought Berkshire Hathaway B shares, uh, say sophomore year in high school. Um, you know, over time, I, I've really loved uh, both of, of their common sense. Um, you know, Munger was a terrific attorney and, and people forget that. Uh, it really, um, you know, uh, always brought the counter argument to, to Buffett. Um, and that was probably why Berkshire Hathaway has been so strong over time with their no nonsense approach. Right. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes was, you know, if you hear about EBITDA, which, you know, is a term that I despise. You know, he says substitute EBITDA with bullshit. And it's true. Um, you know, over time, I think that's probably more true than not true. Uh, I also like well, his, EBITDA, uh, you can explain EBITDA is earnings before depreciation and uh, amortization and what kind of it's like an operating income type thing, right? Correct. And I mean, you know, if you're looking for free cash flow, just in pure and simple language, uh, you know, that's really not it, right? That takes in taxes, depreciation, et cetera. So, you know, I've always been a, when, when Berkshire buys their stocks, right, they're always looking for free cash flow. And, you know, he really upped uh, Buffett's game and Berkshire Hathaway's game in that, you know, they, before that, he was always buying companies that were really on the fringe uh, and turning them around. And then, you know, once Munger got more involved in the 60s and, and 70s, they started buying higher quality companies that were, were you know, a little bit down on their luck. So uh, he, he did bring that to them. His other quote about politicians is, is just, you know, really uh, also another amazing quote where, um, you know, he said that, you know, people always complain about how bad today's politicians are, but people forget about how awful they were in the past as well. Something to that effect. 
And I mean, that really, really is true, especially today. Well, Mark Twain said, you know, imagine you're a congressman. Now imagine you're an idiot. But I, I repeat myself. <laughs> so, no, good life. Uh, great no-nonsense approach. That's what we've learned, uh, you know, from from both Buffett as well as Munger. Uh, and, and there, you know, I, I think there's uh, very um, few people that reach that pinnacle of success uh, as those guys have. And to be able to learn from them with just really common sense approach, no smoke and mirrors, no algorithmic trading programs, you know, just buying great companies uh, at, at low book values compared to what, you know, Graham uh, taught them from a value investment standpoint. It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I think that when you go into times of market duress, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the great recession of 09 or, you know, COVID of, of 2020, you know, you apply those uh, Berkshire Hathaway rules to buying great companies uh, or great sectors. Uh, and, you know, in the, in the immediate, you might not be right, uh, but time always does prove you uh, to be correct. Mike, do you have anything to add? Perspective. I think that both, you know, Munger and Buffett have an unbelievable perspective when it comes to intermediate to long-term approach. And they have an unbelievable way to filter out short-term noise pertaining to a lot of their investment decisions. And they really stick to a lot of the fundamentals to see things through rather than ride trends and or ride fads. And I've always been somebody who believes in if you follow a process and you don't fall for a lot of the short-term fads and trends and you chase things, ultimately things will work out in your favor. And I think that those two more than anything else have stuck to those principles and they can basically take, they have an unbelievable ability to take a step back and really filter out that noise to generate a really good perspective of where things are right now and where things have the potential to go. And I mean, it's, it's also what you're talking about, Phil, kind of like no nonsense. I mean, think about how quickly in COVID uh, Berkshire Hathaway cut certain positions and certain holdings, irregardless, because there, once that outlook begins to change, some really, really good long-term investment managers they're willing to change their perspective really fast and eliminate certain positions, but they'll also ride them long-term if they think the approach is sound. So I think that that perspective is the one thing that I've learned most from somebody like Munger and even Buffett as well. Oh, well, that was great. When Here's a third question today. Did I tell you that my new book came out? Yeah, Investing congr- for Dividends with Dummies? Congratulations, man. Uh, the first one was terrific, and uh, we wish you success on this one as well. Thank you. I explain how dividends work and why they're a great investment strategy, and it's a great gift for Christmas and for Hanukkah. Cool. Good job, man. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And uh, if you'd like to submit a question to us, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we'll be back next week. Great, guys. Thanks, guys.